You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian Wow, what another gorgeous spring day in Alabama. Welcome in to Big Noon Sports. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. Remember, we're on the website at bignoonsports.com, Twitter at Big Noon Sports. Matt, Christian, Lars, the gang is here. We'll start with the good news. Broke just about an hour ago. Damar Hamlin, Bill's defensive back, who went at a cardiac arrest Monday night football back on January 2nd in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals has been cleared as any other player coming off an injury to the Buffalo Bills organization would be. He's good to go and play. We have all followed this story, whether you're in the sports world or not, with great interest. And I love seeing this news. But based on his progress and the interviews, the one he did with Michael Strahan on the Super Bowl, I – I'm glad, I'm elated that this is the case, Lars, but quite honestly, I was anticipating this, weren't you? Yeah, uh, good afternoon. Um, it seemed to be trending in that direction, and um, you know, when he talked to Strahan during the interview that aired in the Super Bowl, he said, hey, it's the goal uh, is to come back, I'm a competitor, I'm trying to do the right things about advancing my situation. And he said he was thankful to God for a, a second chance. And that, that's truly what this is. I mean, you know, we weren't just scared for his playing career. We were scared for his life. And um, there were some moments there where, you know, obviously the entire country who watched that Monday night game um, didn't know if we were watching somebody die on the field right in front of us. Gary. Um, in judging by the reaction of the players, both the Bengals and and the Bills, uh, you could tell that this was a grave, grave, grave situation, perhaps even an unparalleled situation. And, uh, you know, I think all the all the right moves were made in terms of, you know, Zach Taylor uh, insisting that they, they postpone that game, end up being canceled. But um, for, for uh, Hamlin, just uh, a, a miraculous recovery, Christian. I, I don't know how else to really describe it other than that. Miracle. And you just got to tip your hat to the, the medical personnel uh, staff who assisted in, in you know, his recovery and in all the things that they had to do to get him uh, back to full health and now that he's able to, uh, you know, be clear to play football again, I mean, it's truly a blessing. And uh, I just can't believe it's, it's so quick. He's ready to play, guys. Yeah. He had already I mean, been participating I mean, in voluntary workouts. But, but, but Matt, uh, don't you think there's two – I mean, for Christian, too, there's one thing to be cleared to play – 
there's another thing of whether or not he will play. I, I, I think. Uh, I, I don't think we're he's necessarily like going to be starting on opening day. Um, but th- th- that's just me um, because coming back from an injury like this where your body has essentially shut down for uh, an extended time, I, I, I have trouble seeing him actually getting onto the field right away. But I, maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, Christian, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you haven't necessarily experienced uh, any friends who have gone through something serious, but but don't you, do you agree with what I'm trying to say in a very inarticulate way is this is great news. Don't get me wrong, but I, I still think there's, there's more hurdles to clear before he's ready to go out there full throttle. Right. In a, in a live contact scrimmage. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, definitely probably going to be a long road. Um, I, I know he's cleared, but basically what you're saying is, yeah, there's, Still some hurdles that he's going to have to um, get over. And I think that's expected. I mean, you're talking about a guy who suffered cardiac arrest and, and pretty much was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, deceased for, you know, a, a moment of time. So, um, yeah, I'd imagine there's still a few more hurdles for him. But um, I, I think this is a huge step that he's already fully cleared. Um, I'd imagine he's going to take part in, in the workouts and then, uh, do everything that he can, and uh, I'm sure they still are going to work with him. I mean, heck, I was coming off of a torn hamstring, and the training staff in Carolina uh, took it slow with me um, in the rookie mini camp and OTA. So I can only imagine how slow they're going to take his uh, process. But again, I, I think uh, this is just a huge step for him. And, and honestly, I mean, I can only imagine the emotions he's feeling um, with this huge step. But definitely a, a tremendous. A uh, victory for him so far, and uh, I'm hoping it continues uh, to be this way moving forward. Christian, I ask you to pull out a football crystal ball here. His doctors, the medical staff, <clears throat> the Bills have cleared him to play physically. Is it going to be difficult for him to get back out there mentally? I, I think so. At least if it was me, it definitely uh, would be a challenge just because I mean, you think about guys who suffered knee injuries, right? You know, they, they come back from a torn ACL and, um, yeah, they're cleared to play, but it still just takes them time to kind of get that confidence in using their leg the way they did before the injury. Now, granted, there's no specific, you know, physical injury that he's going to be testing out, whether it's an ankle or a knee, but, I mean, you could imagine in the back of his mind, he's going to, you know, be thinking the last time he put on a helmet and shoulder pads, Yeah, um, Matt, do you I think we might have just did we just lose Christian? Yeah, I think we're we coming did. in. We're coming in from about eight different directions today, uh, so there were maybe a technical problem here or there. But um, you know, I know what Christian's talking about. If it's a knee injury, what about that first time you really have to cut and chase after a running back? Or, but I don't know if it's different. Because this is a heart attack. I mean, it's still obviously a a severe, almost death-causing physical incident. But I don't know. But he seems like the kind of guy that has handled this from the very get-go, physically and mentally, very well. And I was kind of wondering in your direction, talking about him a minute ago as far as playing, um, is he had come in in a backup role, right? 
Yes, he was starting for a injured player, I believe. And, um, you know, he's a uh, he's a backup in the NFL. Right. Um, and so, you know, he probably has hurdles to climb just to secure a roster spot. Um, but, uh, you know, it's still like, like we said, this is just a remarkable development, you know, because he had cardiac arrest on the field, which we all saw. Uh, but then just uh, two days later, he was it was uh, described as, quote, neurologically intact and responsive, though he still stayed in that critical condition. And then you remember Josh Allen had a, a, a real um, emotional news conference with reporters where he reflected on the uh, the the medical emergency and the emergency on the field in Cincinnati and, and, and just broke down. I remember Sean McDermott saying, I, I don't know if we're ready to return to the field and and really worried about the collective mental health of the team. And it was just a lot. It was a lot for buffalo to go through and you almost wonder you know did uh, did did hamlin's injury and what transpired just finally catch up to them right in their playoff game against cincinnati when they they really played the worst game of the season but um but yeah no this is all just uh, amazing amazing news and, um, you know, the Bills, uh, they confirmed that Hamlin was going to work out with the team on uh, make, making a social media post this morning, just writing, glad to have you back three. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he'll be able to get, get back into the swing of things. That certainly seems to be the direction. And I was just kind of reflecting back to, to that evening and the following day we did a show. We're talking about whether or not he was going to be mentally capable. Um, and then that report that you just mentioned about his neurological condition was released. And then uh, ever since we watched that that game and him and the medical staff and the subsequent uh, postponement of the game, um, we have just followed with great interest. And it, the news just keeps getting better and better and better. And um, I don't know that he'll start, but I expect, I don't know who the Bills open with either. Probably with your Bengals again. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know. But um, everything since we watched Terrified in Monday Night Football has been upswing and uplifting. And um, the guy that ended up suffering, that is uh, Mar Hamlin, um, has proved to be every bit the person that was needed in order to overcome all of these obstacles. Hey, there are other uh, NFL notes. Bryce Young's not visiting anymore. <laughs> Does that mean he's going to the Panthers? It certainly leans in that direction. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to the 49ers. Um, these are a couple of topics. And then, uh, of course, there's a <laughs> We just need to have a sponsored segment every day. What's new in the transfer portal? There is more news in the transfer portal, too. And let me line up the show before we go to break. Uh, join us at the bottom of the hour, John Brady, LSU coach, uh, also coached right here in um, at Sanford in Birmingham. Uh, he's going to be on uh, in total transparency. I tried to reach him a couple of times during the Final Four 
he was playing golf in Palm Beach, so don't blame him for not making the show, but figured we'd have him on. A, a quick reflection into the Final Four, but more so looking into the future of college basketball, particularly with the transfer portal. And um, then in the second hour, our buddy Speaks, Jeff Spiegel, sports director for 3340, is going to join us with all of his insight into what's going on in the world of sports. So stay with us. You're listening to Big News Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 81, mostly clear tonight, below 53. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. The warming trend continues. A high tomorrow, 83, Thursday's high at 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. along with Lars Anderson. Thanks for dialing us in on this sunny, sunny Tuesday afternoon. The high day is going to be around 80, as you just heard from James Spann. So um, it's going to be another beautiful day. And then I, suppose, I think it's supposed to get cooler this weekend, which really doesn't bother me being outdoors for three straight days at Talladega. And we will do more on the upcoming GEICO 500 as the week progresses. But right now, a story that, uh, that is out and it's leading all the uh, NFL boards is that Bryce Young has now canceled his pre-draft visits. Uh, Christian, um, am I reading too much in? This just about says he's going to the Panthers? Yeah, no, I don't think you are. I mean, I think that's kind of the general consensus right now from all the experts and the sports pundits that, that they're they're kind of zeroing in on Bryce Young. And um, uh, I think it could be a strong indicator that, yeah, that he might be their guy. I mean, you never say never. I mean, it's the NFL draft. You know, crazier things have happened, but – as of right now, a lot of signs are pointing to Bryce Young being the number one pick, and rightfully so. And uh, I would love for that to happen, and hopefully it does happen. Yeah, um, I think it's signed, sealed, delivered. Bryce is going to be number one overall. And uh, this is, uh, you know, <laughs> this is Carolina's way of, of, of really announcing it just by having Bryce uh, cancel the rest of his trips and not wanting to waste other people's time and and um, and look, I mean, it came down, I think, to Bryce and C.J. Stroud. And all three of us have been advocating for Bryce simply because we look at the body of work, right? We look at the tape, and Bryce, just he consistently stands out. Where Stroud, you know, he had a few up-and-down moments, a few up-and-down games. But you could argue that Stroud had the best game right between these two quarterbacks in the national semifinal against Georgia. But he just he didn't make the plays outside the pocket uh, as consistently as Bryce Young. And so now it'll be interesting to see what what happens with Stroud, what happens with uh, Anthony Richardson. You know, there was so much buzz about Anthony Richardson just right after the combine because of the, 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 his numbers that he put up. You know, uh, there was even talk of Richardson perhaps going as high as number one. Um, I certainly did never believe that. And then also Will Levis uh, hearing more and more about Hendon Hooker uh, sliding into the first round. 
Um, so I, I think it just uh, – and also you're kind of hearing that the Texans may not be leaning Stroud. They may be leaning Will Anderson. And this could end up with the way we thought it was going to at the beginning of a year ago, right? <laughs> it, it's going to end up with – uh, Bryce going one and Will going two. I, w- I would not be surprised if that happens. And then you'll have uh, the Colts sitting there at number four. And, um, and then I, I think that they really like Will Levis. But, um, you know, who, who knows what they'll do. But, yeah, uh, I think it's uh, Matt, it, it, it's, a, it's a done deal. I mean, and it's even off the board at a lot of the uh, sport books now. You can't even you can't even bet on on who's going to go number one overall anymore because it's just generally believed. Uh, and this is further indication of that, that exactly. In fact, that Bryce Young is going to go number one. You know, that's the biggest tell in all of it, isn't it? <laughs> if Vegas doesn't want to touch it, then it's probably a done deal. Yes. it's yeah, a good point. I just don't know if I see the Texans going for, for Will because, I mean, who, who are they going to go for at quarterback? You think they'd wait to get one later on? Or I, I just feel like they have to go quarterback, right? Um, let me see here. Yeah. That's my only I think, thing is I feel like they have to go quarterback. And I think if C.J. Stroud's there, too, I think they have no choice but to take him. Even if I'm sure they really do want Will, you got, uh, you know, newly hired D'Amico Ryans, an Alabama uh, alumni who, who played linebacker at Alabama. I'm sure he would love to have his hands on Will Anderson. I just don't know if you can pull that off with their quarterback situation. So I, I would see them going C.J. Stroud. Um just in my opinion, because of their quarterback situation. But if they had a quarterback, there's no doubt in my mind we would have saw Bryce Young first, then Will Anderson, which that would have been awesome. But nonetheless, yeah. I think it's still Bryce Young going number one overall still is a is a huge deal for Alabama. I think that's uh, very significant. And then I, I do believe Will will be not far behind him. Just depends on what team is in the market for a defender. And I know this is going to sound nuts, but. I- I believe that there are people within the Texans organization that really believe in Davis Mills as their quarterback and long-term really? quarterback. Um, and they got Case Keenum as a backup. Um, but uh, I, I just, you know what? You're so rarely in the position, at least you hope as a GM, to be drafting number two overall. It's like you almost have to take a quarterback. Yeah, but how many times have they had number one picks and messed it up too? Though you got to think about it. I mean, they, they, this. I know they have a number two pick, but I feel like they got to get this one right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they have they've had so many number one picks and they just can't figure it out. So I mean, I feel, I feel like people are starting to get impatient with them. I mean, how, how many number one picks do you need to turn your franchise around? Yeah. Well, yeah. I can remember. Um, I guess halfway through last year, they were talking about Will going number one. So, and you know, Lars, you keep up with this really on an hour to hour basis, but it wouldn't surprise me if you'd see another trade, you know, somebody moving up to get something or moving back because they don't need to be that high. So yeah, that's, that's, that's all a possibility. Although I, I think it is a smaller possibility, obviously as the deadline approaches. Now, what about the other talking quarterback? Okay. I kind of went bug-eyed on this one. 
obviously, the talks between the Jets and the Packers are not going well. So much to the fact that now that there's a question, a big question mark around San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy, they're now talking about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, are, are he, of course, he would be returning home. That's where he's from. So I'll bet he's very open to the idea. Lars, is there enough time they're going to make this move? I don't think so. Is, this, I know is that, it a behind-the-scenes political-like move? I don't really understand why uh, the Jets have not been communicating with the Packers. I mean, I think they realize that the 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 real deadline for this is the draft. Um, but, um, you know, right now, uh, Woody Johnson, who is uh, the, uh, the majority owner of the Packers, I'm sorry. Excuse me. He's the Woody, the majority owner of the Jets. Excuse me. Woody, Woody Johnson. He is unwilling to give up a first round pick, and that's sort of the the baseline that the Packers are asking for, right? And and um, that it comes from Rogers' own comments on the Pat McAfee show, and I just don't see. I mean, they may be at an impasse, and an impasse that can't be broken. And then, then you do look at San Francisco, which is Aaron's home team. Um, you know he's not coming back to Green Bay, right? Um, so I think what the Packers are actually looking – because it's, it's Jordan Love's team. And they think they have something special in Jordan Love. I hadn't seen that, it. That, that, it <laughs> remains to be seen. You know, we'll know – I'd be interested in Christian's opinion on this. I think we'll know in about a month into the season whether or not David, whether or not uh, uh, Jordan Love is the guy, is the long-term answer, or if not. I think I think you can find out that fast. But the Packers, they they want a second-round pick in 2023 and a guaranteed first-round pick in 2024. Um, I mean, and that's for a player who's maybe got one, two years left. I mean that's that's a that's a steep asking price, and that price is going to come down. You would think, and that's what the Jets are waiting for. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean the, the 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 Jets did go out and they they traded for his buddy Lazard. They signed they signed a free agent, his buddy Lazard. I mean, it's acting. It seemed like that Aaron was almost acting like the general manager. He says a name, and a couple days later, I go they, get him. That guy's on the roster, <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see on on that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I think it's just whoever folds first. I think at some point, Green Bay is going to have to fold, right? Because um, people just really aren't going to be willing to pay what they're asking, and at some point, people are kind of just going to pull out. And then they're going to be stuck in a situation where um, they probably should have just uh, took a deal earlier on without, you know, being so greedy. But I, I think ultimately Aaron ends up in New York. He wants to be there. The Jets want him there. Uh, I think both of those parties are just waiting on Green Bay uh, to give in. And I think we'll ultimately see that happen. But in terms of him with San Francisco, I don't see that happening because you got Trey Lance who's coming back from, um, his injury, um, who's going to, you know, work his way back up. You know, he's gone out in the media and said, you know, he don't want the job handed to him. He wants to work for it because 
after you know Brock Purdy played the way he played, um, it wouldn't be right just to hand him the job, even with him being injured. So I think it's one of those things where they're going to give Trey Lance a job, a, a, an opportunity to earn the job. Um, but they also went ahead and signed Sam Darnold um, this offseason. So another guy that has experience, definitely not their long-term option, but uh, can definitely you know fill in and play the quarterback position. So I don't see Aaron going to San Francisco. I think. Um, you know, while Brock Purdy is rehabbing, I think you'll see, uh, you know, uh, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold kind of competing, you know, maybe to take that spot. And then once Brock Purdy's healthy enough, he'll have an opportunity to kind of earn that job back. But I think we'll see those three young guys kind of battling it out in San Francisco. Yeah. Seems I, a long shot even now. It's just so late into the, I mean, they're going to be having their volunteer workouts and summer will be here before you know it. So, and Matt, hey. I know, Matt, I know we have a guest coming up, but I, we forgot to talk about a very important subject yesterday. And that was Arch Manning in the spring game. Unbelievable stuff. And uh, we also need to talk about you, Ruben Foster, what he did over the weekend in the USFL. And he may not last the season. He may be back on an NFL roster. Yeah. Pronto. <laughs> he looked uh, like uh, oh, he, he looked, looked like, like he was Alabama among boys, you know, <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah, he, he really did. And I know Christian's very tight with that guy. When we get back, we're going to talk some basketball, really some college sports, uh, the portal, NIL, um, with a very popular guy in this city, John Brady, who went from Sanford to LSU and eventually to the Final Four. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. In the game, particularly at the college level, and most teams that win the field goal stat win the game. Now, the teams that lose a field goal stat and win the game, that means they're getting offensive rebounds, they're getting fouled and outshooting their opponent from the free throw line, they're turning their opponent over, they're doing other things to make up when they're not shooting the ball well. And I think that's what championship teams are all about. And, and when you don't shoot it well, how do you win the game? And I think San Diego State was an example of that. Uh, but, you know, players have to adapt to how the officials are calling the game. And if they're going to call the game a certain way, I don't care how much complaining you do or how much the coach argues, uh, they're going to call it like they're calling it, and you have to adjust. And so players just have to respond to that type of challenge when they do advance in the tournament and get different officials from different leagues around the country. Coach, many people had Alabama as the number one favorite to win it all. In your opinion, what contributed to them coming up short? Well, I, I picked them. When I, I spoke to tip-off club of when the brackets came out and, and I sat there with Kevin Skorbinski and I picked Alabama to win it. And and I, I, think, I think it's obvious, really, uh, is, is the, the inability to continue to shoot it behind that arc. And I think teams crowded them up in the perimeter 
uh, and made them put it on the floor and try to finish at the rim, then keep them off the free throw line and don't give Alabama easy baskets, make them earn it in the half court. And I think, and I think that's what happened to them in the tournament. And, and at some point in time, I don't think you win it, you know, from, from 25 feet. I think most of the times you win it from five feet or six feet. And, and, and I think that's what the game continues to boil down to. I compare it to golf. Everybody wants to drive the ball 300 yards. But at the end of the day, it's still 120 in if you're going to win a Masters or if you're going to win something really special. So uh, just like basketball, I still think it comes down to defending and rebounding, being able to get to the free throw line, taking care of the ball, and scoring off the post from time to time. Kind of following up on what Lars asked a little while ago, is the game changing to the point where maybe the officiating needs to change a little bit too? Uh, change to what? I mean, the well, rules, it just seems like the, you got the teams like Tennessee, and I know you're a Rick Barnes guy. I remember when he was at Alabama. Uh, they they have a certain style of play, and it's almost like we're going to foul you every trip down here and challenge the officials to call them all. Um, do you see it my way? And, of course, you know more about basketball than I do, but I, I just see this, this mauling-type defense becoming more and more prominent. Well, I, I, I don't think – you know, and I, I was a defensive guy. That's, you know, I like that. I like the way to play that way. I think it's a, a matter of effort. And, and I don't think Rick Barnes teaches players, look, we're going to get physical, and I don't think he tells them we're going to file every time down and, and put it on the officials to call it. If they don't call it, we'll win. If not, we – we may have to back up a little bit. I don't know, but I think I think I think good guarding, uh, pressure guarding, with discipline is the way to go. Uh, but you have to be disciplined defensively. I always used to tell our team: you can't foul carelessly or needlessly. You can't put teams on the line, but you're going to play hard defensively. But you're going to play hard with discipline. Uh, and, and not foul. And if you can get a team to do that with the effort it takes to, to, to guard talented players, you've got a chance to make the game workable regardless of how you're shooting the ball on the other end. Coach, what is this part of the year like for a typical college basketball head coach? Um, are you out on the road recruiting? Are you trying to keep – your own guys from leaving, uh, and in uh, for the case of Nate Oates, uh, I think he's got a lot of work to do with a roster that's been gutted and and a and a, an assistant coaching staff that has been gutted. Yeah, you know that that that's that's the problem this time of year with the transfer portal with no penalty, and now even they're letting double transfers be eligible because they appeal it on some type of um, mental. Uh, situation that they they don't feel comfortable or whatever the case may be, uh, and and I think it puts a lot of pressure on the head coach. And you know, Nate Oates is suffering from being successful, and sometimes that can happen in this business. Transfer portal, players walking in saying, yeah, "My NIL deal was at whatever number. I want to I want to pursue another NIL deal, whatever the case may be." And and and. Uh, you know, then he lost his assistant coaches, which speaks well of him and, and what they accomplished. You know, most assistants get hired because their head coach has success, and, and that's what's happened there at Alabama. And, 
And and this time of year, you used to you used to could have a little time off. Now you have to recruit players that have eligibility remaining, plus going out in the portal, plus recruiting freshmen, and it's a twenty four seven operation now. And 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 every dime that those coaches get, they earn because the instability of what your team's going to be about the following season. Coach, speaking of NIL, we talk a lot about that and uh, the transfer portal on this show. What are your thoughts on NIL, and do you feel like there needs to be more legislation incorporated with it? Well, I think a lot of the high major schools now, every player that signs and comes to a particular campus, they're getting some kind of flat fee right off the bat, whether it's 25000 or $30,000. They're just giving those players that money up front and then as they progress and show their value as a player and as a person, they're able to seek NIL deals through other means and make more money. And, and, and uh, I think a lot of schools are, are, are moving in that direction. Let's just give a guy 28000 to show up. We sign him. He shows up. We give him the money, incremental or however they decide to pay it. Uh, and then as they progress and show their value, uh, they get to make more money, and and if it's if it's managed right, if it's handled right, it can help in a lot of situations. But the problem is, it's pay for play, so to speak, and I don't think that's what the rule or anybody intended it to be. Uh, I think the better players should have been able to capitalize on selling their jersey, speaking engagement, whatever the demand for them would be to get paid. But certainly now. Uh, making it like a pro game where you're getting six and seven figures at the collegiate level, the whole dynamic has changed. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it, it changes the way fans view the team now. Used to, you could watch a player develop, get attached to him, watch him grow. Now, I think that's pushed on the wayside now. I think it's all about now, what can you do for me now? What can you do to help me get to the next level? Uh, knowing the words of the fight song and, and all those kinds of things that, <laughs> that, that, that used to tug at your heart. I think a lot of that has been dis- diminished because of the way uh, the college sports, particularly in football and basketball, have progressed. Great stuff as always, Coach. Appreciate it. Next time you're in Birmingham, let me know, all right? All right, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, you Thank bet. Thanks, Coach. Um, John Brady, uh, tell it like it is from his perspective in college basketball. And when we get back, let's pick up the conversation we had about Reuben Foster and all on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. 
Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Merlar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, Redefined. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar spirits destination caretaker was very rough with me i thought they did it because i wasn't moving fast enough elder abuse is a crime and together we can stop it if you or someone you know has been abused neglected or exploited call the adult abuse hotline at 1-800-458-7214 that's 1-800-458-7214 sponsored by the alabama department of human resources the department of justice a grant number 18 va vs 050 the aba and this station tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather a warm afternoon with a sunny sky tuscaloosa high 81 mostly clear tonight below 53 we stay dry tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. The warming trend continues. A high tomorrow, 83. Thursday's high at 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Back on Big Noon Sports, you got Christian, you got Lars, you got Joe. The gang is all here. We saw that Reuben Foster, former Alabama All-American and uh, Butkus winner, I believe, um, was going to try and work his way back to the NFL through the USFL. And Christian, you know this guy. You always, you always said, man, Reuben's a dog. Uh, ask Leonard Fournette if he can hit you. But... Were you surprised he had 12 tackles in his first game for the Pittsburgh Maulers? No, not at all. Now, granted, I do remember, you know, he did suffer a pretty bad knee injury um, when he was with uh, now the commanders with Washington. Um, So he was dealing with that. But that was two years ago. 
um, or some change. So he's had plenty of time to rehab, and I see him doing a lot of work down in uh, Florida. He's been training his tail off um, to get back out there. So um, honestly, the 12 tackles, no. But um, I, I do know your first time playing ball in a while when it's you know been quite a while since you put pads on and gone out and played in a game setting. Um, sometimes you have to knock the rust off, but he didn't look like he had too much rust on him at all. Um, I saw him shoot the gap and, and force that fumble when um, the, the team was backed up. And, um, and man, he just uh, he just was out there flying around, uh, making plays, and uh, rightfully so. And uh, I was so happy to see him back out there doing what he loves. And uh, will will an NFL team come calling from seeing him his performances in the USFL? I, I I can't say, um, but I think him being able to just play football again uh, means a lot to him, and th- I think this has been a long time coming. And uh, I know he's striving for that NFL opportunity, and if it comes, um, I think that that's tremendous, and, and it'd be a blessing. And if it doesn't come, I think it's still a blessing that he's able to be out there uh, playing the game he loves. And, and, and um, I know the people of this area were probably really happy to see him back out there. You know, he played in Birmingham Sunday, so that was really cool, but. Um, yeah, no, man, I was not shocked. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, like you just said, man, he he's a dog. You know, he, he football is in his blood. That's what he does. You know, he's a headhunter. Um, he's a leader. Uh, he's very instinctive. Um, and he just plays the game just so aggressive and, 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 and physical. And, man, I mean, I just think back, I remember watching his – if y'all have never seen his high school highlights, I urge you to go watch him. I mean, he honestly probably had the best high school highlights out of anybody I think I've ever seen – other than maybe Jadavian Clowney. But, I mean, he, I'm talking about this guy was playing running back, linebacker. I mean, you just if you get time, go watch his high school highlights, man. And Ruben is just a, a very talented football player, and uh, he's also a great teammate. So I'm, I'm happy to see him having success early on in his USFL career. Yeah, Matt, he looked like a man among boys uh, for sure. And it's he made it also very easy to forget um, just because of the way he looked and played that he has not played in a football game since October 28th of 2018. So wow. we're talking, if he's trying to get back to the NFL, it's going to be almost five years since he's been in the league. And for a linebacker to be gone that long and come back is uh, very difficult. Uh, not something you see very often, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's 29 and maybe it, I, 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 based, based on the way he played yesterday or, or on, on uh, this weekend, I do think he'll get a shot. I mean, he, he's just too good because it, it, it looked like the knee wasn't bothering him. He looked he looked healthy and he looked uh, uh, just like that, you know, the heat seeking guiding missile that we all saw at Alabama, like the kind of linebacker that just like scares you. Right. <laughs> because of the, of the of the violence he plays with. But, Matt, again, it's it, we're going to be coming up on five years since he's been in the league due to injury and, and off the field issues. So I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he is going to get a shot. Well, and I think the two nine <clears throat> that pops up, too. I mean, he's 29 years old. Um, you are at the either the peak or on the other side of it in your NFL career. So I don't think that works in his favor. But boy, if you watched him the other night, 
it was he was a different ball player uh, compared to those on the field. Anyway, all right, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. The next hour, our friend Jeff Spiegel from 3340, their sports director, is going to join us. And yeah, we got to get into the football transfer portal as well on Big Noon Sports. town on game days but check out christopher mobley on the strip luxury game day apparel redefined it's the only place in town where you can find todd hoops apparel clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur golf enthusiast and athleisure fanatic they've got peter millar viore grayson and mizzenamain and if you haven't tried the mizzenamain dress shirts you've got to you can find them at 1410 university boulevard on the strip also they've got a great e-commerce site at christophermobley.shop so check out christopher mobley luxury game day apparel redefined Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. 
the story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, let's pick, let's pick the clubs up. Go try and squeeze in nine after the show. Welcome back. Big Noon Sports. Big Sports just afternoon. Damar Hamlin, Bill's defensive back, has been cleared to play following having a cardiac arrest. Just do the math with me, guys. Let's see, January, February, March, April. Jeez, less than four months from that moment on Monday Night Football. So that's big news. Also, Bryce Young has announced that he's canceling his pre-draft visits with, I think that really just zeroes in, that he will be selected first Thursday night by the Carolina Panthers. Lars, excuse my old man memory, but you had a topic we didn't talk about much yesterday, but I've already forgotten what you were bringing up about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Arch Manning, the, uh, the unveiling of Arch Manning at the Texas spring game. And, uh, you know, he, uh, when he came out into, onto the field, um, for his his grand debut, um, you know, he received a standing ovation. And again, this is the son of Cooper Manning. Cooper is the brother of Peyton and Eli. So uh, he's the Arch is uh, is his uncles are Peyton and Eli. Grandfather is Archie. And years ago, Archie told a reporter that Arch, his grandson, may be the best one yet. And he's never really backed off of that, right? He didn't. He's never really backed off of that statement. So, expectations for this kid have just been off the charts for a long time. Alabama was in on him for a few years. Uh, Alabama stayed after him, uh, but eventually, um, Arch decided either to go in a different direction or, based on how he played. <laughs> On Saturday, maybe Alabama chose to go in another direction. Um, he completed his first pass. He came yeah. out, and uh, and it was it was uh, received quite well by the crowd there at Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium. And then it just went it went south. It went south in in a, in a really quick way for arch um he just looked lost he looked like uh he had been a player that um had been going against very very weak competition in high school and he looked like just uh just just uh i mean deer in the headlights Right. Uh, and just he really he really struggled. 
Um, so he, he threw a total of 13 passes. Uh, it seemed about like half of them were right into the arms of a defender, uh, and most of them were dropped. Uh, but he only threw for 30 total yards. And, um, I mean, not surprisingly, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, he's come out and said, oh, by the way, um, I'm only naming one starter right now, and it's Quinn Ewers. He's our quarterback. <laughs> Arch Manning, not starting. Um, and, and Arch, he, he's just, he's got a ways to go. And Sarkeesian said, hey, look, he's had 15 practices in his college life. And we can't rush to judgment here. Um, so, you know, he's uh, in, in, in Sarkeesian. He hadn't really talked about Arch before the spring game other than to, to tell the, the Longhorn Network, which somehow still exists. I don't know how um, he told the told the Longhorn Network uh, that, hey, Arch is doing well. Give him credit. It hasn't been perfect. He's throwing interceptions like any freshman quarterback. He's making misreads. He's, he's lost his ID twice on campus. Uh, yeah. So he's just, uh, you know, he's a kid finding his way in, in life. And um, just you guys know this, just aside from the football, just leaving home for the first time is a big deal. (laughs) And 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 adjusting to life on your own without your parents to be there, your beck and call. It's uh, it's it's something. And for Arch, it wasn't just his parents. It was, you know, extended family in in New Orleans. And so um, it's it's very easy to overreact. Uh, to this, but I think we can sufficiently say that um, Arch Manning is going to be a work in progress for quite some time. Uh, Christian, just your reaction to any of this, and I, and I know you probably didn't even get a chance to see him play. I only saw the, uh, the, the highlights, and, uh, and I've read just you know pretty much every account of uh, of Archie's day or Arch's day. And it just uh, it didn't go very well. Yeah, well, actually, I, I watched the highlights a little bit too. I think they had popped up on social media somewhere, and I saw them. Uh, but a couple of things on that. Uh, number one, like you just alluded to, I mean, the kid is what I just called him. He's a kid, right? He just left home. He, he, he's had maybe fifteen practices in him. Um, he, he clearly, you know, is, is young and developing. So. Um, you know, I think some of this is, you know, to be expected. I guarantee if you ask Bryce or, or go watch Bryce Young, you know, his first few weeks on campus, I'm sure he made some great throws here and there, but I guarantee you he wasn't the Heisman caliber player in Bryce Young that we've seen uh, in recent years when he first got on campus. So there's, there's an adjustment period. I know for, uh, you know, myself that when I first got on campus, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I wasn't even half the player that I ultimately ended up being um, by the time I graduated. So I, I think, you know, I definitely got to give them time to kind of feel things out and kind of, you know, learn learn what it takes, you know, to be a quarterback at this level. And I think another thing I, I take from this is that people got to understand that quarterbacks can look um, like Tom Brady when they're throwing on air. And I think a lot of these clips we see of Arch, um, you know, a lot of it comes from, you know, just kind of passes on the air, just some really nice balls being thrown. But it's a whole different ball game when you're actually in a live ball game. When you have defenders yeah. rushing you, when you have cornerbacks covering your receivers, when you have uh, pressures being uh, thrown at you, when you have to make your reads, 
and react and adjust in a live setting. Um, and I think we saw that. Um, but I, 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 and this is another thing is why I urge fans to kind of pump their brakes on some of these recruits. I think sometimes fans get so caught up in these recruiting rankings and all these kids' lives and thinking they have to come to this school or else. And you just got to realize, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's human. And no matter, you know, how good of a player somebody is, they're going to have errors themselves. And I think you're seeing this here. You know, this guy was um, considered the top recruiter, top quarterback. And um, he just goes to show you that he himself is not perfect and he's going to have to develop. So I think that's basically what it is. It's just we're seeing some, you know, some – Typical early enrollee growing pains. He's getting used to the, the college level. And uh, I think he'll end up being a good quarterback. But I think, at least for this year, I think we'll see Quinn Ewers being their quarterback and leading those guys. And then um, Arch will have the opportunity to, to maybe earn the job later down the road. Or um, you never know, injuries might happen. But I think he'll benefit from kind of learning from Ewers. And uh, ultimately, I think Arch will be a, a phenomenal quarterback. I just think right now in that spring game, I was playing with some nerves too, right? I mean, you got to think all of the pressure that's been uh, built up on him and his name and him as a as a quarterback. I mean, I can only imagine him going out there and everybody's expecting one thing, um, and then you know, you just your nerves get to take a hold of you. But um, yeah, I, I think he'll be okay. But definitely a tough start to his uh, early career. Well, I think you bring up the starting quarterback that Sarkeesian did. And Quinn Ewers, did you watch him in, in the first half against Alabama? Guy's really, really good. He's really and, good. And I think that, that that offers Arch a chance to really learn and go and become the quarterback that we all think he has the potential for. The other thing that we've all touched on a little bit is the fact that, what is he, 18, maybe 19 years old? He's a freshman. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm not going to go into great detail. When I got onto a college campus and I was away from the folks and I was around the fraternity and I was around the sororities, good grief. I wasn't a very responsible person. I can't imagine how difficult it is when everybody on campus knows who you are. Everybody also knows you're probably making about $2 million a year. And then there's the losing the ID twice, which I just think if I'm Arch, I go, hey, come on, Sark. You really need to tell people that, uh, I, you know, I managed to go through and never lost mine. Um, but you know, I lost a lot of other things. There's no question about that, but I just on a, on a candid note, did Sark really need to say that guys? No, he didn't. Uh, maybe, maybe he was joking. Okay. We can give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, if not, I mean, it, it sort of fell flat. But um, I'm also like if you if you do go back and look at Arch's highlights from Isidore Newman, <laughs> the, the level of competition he's playing, it, it's almost like he's playing my son Lincoln's teams. I mean, there's like there's some <laughs> defensive linemen who are five foot five, you know, a. Hundred and twenty-five pounds trying to rush after Arch, and and Arch can just stiff arm them, and they fall to the ground. You know, right. <laughs> so he was not playing against good competition at all. And I just wonder how much more difficult that makes the evaluation process for the coaches, right? When yeah. when one player is just so clearly. Uh, transcendent and, and better than everyone else on the field, Christian. It just seems like, boy, this is this is kind of hard to, to measure. 
And and again, maybe I'm not remembering this correctly, but it it, it it seemed to me that Alabama was kind of pumping the brakes on Arch Manning. And I don't know if that's because of something a coach saw or if that was because they were learning that Arch was leaning toward Texas. Well, probably more so he was leaning towards Texas. I mean, I'm sure if he wanted to come to Alabama, they would gladly accept him. But I will say this. um, What you're getting at, Lars, is exactly why Coach Saban is a strong proponent of having these guys come on campus, right, and come attend his, his football camps where they compete against other athletes that are also ranked um, and rated highly on the recruiting services. This is exactly why, because you just said it. Nowadays, I mean, you're seeing these guys playing in, you know, 2A, 3A level ball, and the competition is just, I hate to say it, but it's just not there. And sometimes it is hard to get a a gauge on guys. So that's why you see uh, programs like Alabama, Nick Saban, they have these guys come on campus so they can get a live in-person look and see how these guys move how they operate now granted they're not going to see these guys in pads and like a a live setting when they come to these camps but they still do some you know some very active one-on-one situations whether it's o-line d-line you know receivers and and dbs um they can see them guys those guys really get out there and compete so yeah that's a great example Lars, of, of why you want guys to come on campus and see them in person because sometimes it is hard to get a gauge on a guy when they're playing against kids that are half their size or half the talent what are those summer camps like, real quick, before we go to break? Um, because it, it, it is vitally important to uh, Coach Saban because he always says, hey, I, I trust my eyes, not my ears, meaning I want to see exactly what the kid looks like and, 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 uh, and, and how he performs on the field rather than reading different reports from scouts, coaches, high school coaches, what have you. Um, but at these camps, these at these summer camps that are so important, right, in the whole recruiting process, what is it like? You're obviously not going to be uh, engaging in contact, correct, Christian? Like, what what are is it? Is it just drills, or are you doing some scrimmaging? What can you just kind of give us an, an overview of what the, the the summer camp, the typical summer camp, is like? Absolutely, I think. Since it's probably going to be a, a packed answer, we, got, we probably should go to break real quick, and I'm going to answer on the next side of this one because uh, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, and I don't want to cut it short. Okay, let's do that. So load the break at Tide. And I think this is worth noting, and I did have to look it up, but Arch Manning played at Isidore Newman down, I guess that's outside of uh, New Orleans, but it's, you know, it's Louisiana. So did Peyton, and so did Eli. Yeah. They all all seem to overcome the 5'5", 125-pound lineman, but I don't don't know that this is the case here. I have a feeling, and I I should remember this uh, because it's in my book, but I have a feeling that the level of competition was better uh, for Isidore Newman when Peyton and Eli were in high school. Like, uh, I think they may, Isidore may have dropped down a level or something. But yes, yeah, both Peyton and Eli went, attended there. And I believe, um, I believe, 
yeah, Cooper went there as well. Um, but I think Arch broke all of the records that Peyton and Eli had set. And yeah, Archie was a he was a fixture there in the grandstand. He had that old uh, that old VHS camera, right? And he had that thing rolling nonstop. He recorded every single one of Peyton's games, Peyton games, and and Eli's, and probably and- Arch too. Yeah, and then they went home, and, and you know, instead of uh, having a little post-game celebration or whatever, they broke down film. And yep. I'm not kidding. That's probably exactly what they did. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Here. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 81, mostly clear tonight, the low 53. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. The warming trend continues. A high tomorrow, 83, Thursday's high at 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, we carry over the conversation. Arch Manning's rather lackluster performance at the Texas spring game where uh, he threw 12 passes. Don't have the completions here, but I do have the total number of yards at 30. That uh, prompted some conversation about him, and it prompted some conversation about Lars was asking Christian uh, about spring and summer workouts. So I'm just going to give it to 47, let let him take off. Yeah, so basically how they work, uh, the, the camps work like this. So they're kind of divided where some camps will be more, um, you know, they'll, they'll pertain more to the, the recruits that they have interest in and others are kind of just to the whole, um, you know, group of high schoolers. But basically, I mean, these camps are not easy. They put them through the fourth quarter program, um, basically our stations drills. The, you know, the campers go through all those drills with the coaches out there yelling and screaming at them just like they do. Uh, the players when we do fourth quarter and then that is followed by the you know the separate they'll go out uh, and, and split up by position they'll do position drills with the coaches um, and again it's just kind of like rapid fire I mean they're, they're going at it like you know this is not just a you know walk in the park I mean they're, they're really pushing these kids to the limit but then what they'll do after that is they'll, they'll have like seven on seven periods and uh, while you know the, the skills and then the mid skills are doing seven on seven the bigs, which is the offensive line, the offensive line, defensive line, those guys will go do one-on-ones. Um, and that's really where you can kind of see these guys in an elite setting. So if they have, you know, offensive line uh, recruits, you know, they'll pair those guys up. They're, they're, I think they call them like the Bamba group, right? That, that way they know, hey, these are the recruits. That way they don't have the recruits going against some of these other campers who might not necessarily be on the same level. Um, but that, that gives them a chance to put them in a setting. They can basically hold their own. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, you know, like the Nike camps, uh, the rivals camps that they put on. It's kind of like that, um, but Alabama's version of it. So these guys will compete. They'll do one-on-one, seven-on-sevens, and that gives the chances, of, uh, chances it gives the coaches a chance, excuse me, to, to see these guys in a setting where they're going against some other top talent. Um, and, you know, Coach Saban walks around. He, he gets his eyes on these guys in person. 
Um, have them on campus also allows you to, to get accurate measurables, right? Because I'll be honest, in high school, I think I was like 190 or 195 pounds at one point. I think my coach was uh, listing me at like 215. I'm like, coach, that's 20 pounds off. He's like, oh, don't worry, you're going to get there. You'll be there soon. Don't worry. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, this, this, you know, then that happens, you know, some, some of these coaches, you know, have their guys list six three, six four, and then they get on campus and they're six one, right? So that's another reason they need them on campus. But, yeah, that's typically how it goes, Lars, is, um, they put them through the fourth quarter program. They let them do the seven-on-sevens and the one-on-ones. And um, like I said, they try to separate the recruits. That way they kind of have their, their own group and they're going against each other. But that really gives these coaches um, an up-close and personal look at these guys while they're on campus. And how much interaction is Coach Saban having with the players, uh, especially the Alabama targets? Is he um, just kind of s- s- uh, staying back and, and really just watching, or is he getting in there and doing coaching? So he normally coaches like the seven on seven because they're basically you know running some base plays that we might have. Um, so he's coaching that portion up. He's teaching those guys how to play cover seven, how to play cover two. Um, so he's he's very hands on over on seven on seven field. He's fired up. He's coached on, again. They treat these camps as if these guys are current players, right? Like you know, I know they're in high school, but um, if anybody's ever been to one of these camps, they know there's a lot of yelling, screaming. I mean, uh, it's it's they give them the the whole uh, experience of being a player. So yeah, Coach Saban's very hands on with with that aspect of it. Uh, he'll walk over to the one-on-ones when he wants to, you know, see the, the offense alignment or the defense alignment. But I wouldn't necessarily say he coaches them up too much. He might make a comment here and there to like an edge rusher or a tackle or a guard uh, after a rep. But more so you see him coaching up the seven-on-seven period because, again, he's literally over there coaching the defense up on, you know, how to play certain coverages or he might coach a receiver up on his release. So, yeah, but, you, again, the seven-on-seven is more so where you see him coaching. Let's take a phone call. And by the way, you can join us every day between noon and two at 205-342-9904. We go to Digger, who's joined us on Big Noon Sports. How you doing, man? Doing just fine. Joe, watch the game? Joe, watch the You talking about the, the Texas game? Yeah. 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 No, we've you seen highlights. Just, just highlights. Right. You, you do or know he was going up against the first unit. He was going up against the first unit in the defense with the second and third offensive linemen. So I'm just telling you, don't set the net that he's unprepared. All I'm saying is he's going to redshirt. He's not even the number two guy. There is no quarterback controversy. Okay. He can make the throws. I mean, in his second and third practice, he threw 37 passes without a drop. Okay. And it's a totally different thing when you get into the game. Okay. Malik Murphy is number two. Okay. Good player. I'm just letting you know, he's got a red shirt. And about the $2 million deal, that's chump change to the Manning. Between the three, <laughs> it's a half a billion dollars. That's their lunch money they're talking about. So it wasn't about the money, okay? It was about Sarkeesian, the quarterback whisper. Okay. You got three quarterbacks in that family, and they made the ultimate decision that Coach Clark was the right guy for. Okay? 
That's all I'm letting you know. And by Texas the way, hey, can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. Hey, can I say one more thing? Tell Saban he's going to be looking at eight in the box, and we're going to bracket the tight end. See you in two weeks, the second weekend of September, all right? I love it. Love it. Absolutely. Hey, he had right. facts in a row. No, I didn't know what defenses they were going up against or uh, who was blocking for him. Uh, well, I, I and by mean, the way, my reference to $2 billion dollars was, was more about Peyton having it. 80% intensity, it looked like. you know. Uh, that's why I said... I, <laughs> some, you know, sometimes you say things over and over and over and over, and people will just hear what they want to hear. <laughs> I said not to look too deep into this. I said that he's not going to play this year. <laughs> All right. Next. Don't person. It's just. <laughs> which, uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, 3340s. Jeff Spiegel. Golly, it's pretty outside. Lars, go open the curtains. Look out Look out the window and just see how beautiful it is. It's all right, Lars. We'll right I mean, that's, that's a song to all of us. No worries. <laughs> yeah, he took a shot at me, too. So don't worry about it. We'll see you in a minute. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Big Noon Sports back again. We're being joined by Sports Director TV. 3340, Jeff Spiegel, a longtime friend, longtime friend of the show, and just a downright good old guy. Jeff, how are you, man? Great, man. How are you? Man, it's hard to complain about anything, really, but um, this weather makes it even doubly bad if you even try. So, hey, let, let's start with just a little TV news. Uh, you guys, um, this we know, Jeff, we've been through this, what, 40 years now? This is kind right. of a slow time of year. What what will you do to get those huge rating points? <laughs> well, I'm not going to take my shirt off. That's that's definitely uh, <laughs> out. Uh, but no, I mean, listen. One thing that's changed in um, over the years is that uh, that there always seems to be stuff to talk about. 
I mean, there's always a little nugget, you know, to to create some conversation, you know, water cooler talk, whatever you want to say. Um, and then the spring has really turned into a busy time of year for us because you've got the A-Day games, you've got Talladega, you've got, you know, the, the, the IndyCar race at Barber later on in the month. Um, you know, so there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in April. Really, the only slow period that we have, you know, in sports, you know, anymore is probably in, you know, June and July. And then when SEC Media Days crank up, well, then, you know, it might as well be football season. Jeff, thanks so, so much for joining us. Um, you have managed uh, to do very well in your career, and you've, you've been able to sustain it uh, over a period in which others haven't been able to. What, what, what has been sort of the key for you uh, in, in your longevity? And I'm in no way suggesting you're nearing the end here or anything, please. <laughs> but, uh, but just, but just, a, just a, uh, you know, just can you shed some light on, on what you think has been the secret to your success? Oh, I don't know. I think I think uh, I think humility. You know, I've always tried to have a little humility when it comes to this job. Um, you know, I was in. I've got two very interesting grocery store stories. Okay, not too long ago, I was in. I was in Publix, and and a lady walks up to me and she says, "Oh, wow, yeah, it's just such a pleasure to meet you. Like you're an you're an icon, you know." And first of all, I've never been called an icon before in person. So that was kind of like, wow, that's crazy. So then the other grocery store story, which gave me a sense of humility early on in my career, was when I got my first really huge, I thought it was huge, TV job in Knoxville, Tennessee. I went from working in Tuscaloosa, which was market size 188, and I was basically a reporter. And then I I got an anchor job, a weekend anchor job at WKXT Channel 8 in Knoxville. And so that went from market 188 to like 61. Okay, so I thought I was a really big deal. So I walk into uh, a food giant up there, and uh, food line, I'm sorry, and uh, the cashier looks at me and, and she goes, you look, wow, you just look, you look so familiar. I mean, I know that I've, I know I've seen you somewhere before. So I stuck my chest out and I said, well, I'm, I'm an anchor on, you know, Channel 8. And then she looks at me and she goes, no, that's not it. <laughs> and, and, so, and, I, and I walked out of there feeling like I was like two inches tall. And, I, and from that point on, from that point on, and the kids joke about this. My kids joke about this. We'll be out in public and people will come up and they'll ask me a question like that. And I'll just go, well, I'm in here a lot, you know. I've lived here for a while, so I never admit to anyone that I work for a TV station. They're going to have to figure that out. I'm not going to tell them that I do. And and it's become a running joke in the family, but people usually figure it out, not by the face, but by the voice, because yeah. uh, that, that's usually when they recognize me, uh, you know, first off the voice, because I guess I have a voice for radio and a face for radio as well. <laughs> Ditto. Jeff, uh, in, in, uh, regarding Alabama football, you know, they're, they're wrapping up spring. 
this week. They'll have A Day this weekend. Anything in particular that you're looking out for in this A Day game that you that you want to see from the team? Gosh, I hate to go back to the to the one that 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 everyone wants to talk about, but you know it's it's uh, really. I mean, no offense, Christian, but. You know, it's, it's the most important position on the football team, right? The quarterback handles the ball more than, you know, than oh, any other man. player on the team. I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. But, I mean. Nah, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. I get it. Defense gets no love. It's all about the guys. Yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> no, no. It's the whole, whole Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson thing. And we were talking about this on the zone the other night. And, and from the get-go. I've always felt like, and Christian, I want you to weigh in on this. I've always felt like all things being equal, like if they come, if, if, if several weeks into fall camp, they're still equal, and you're looking for something to tip the scales one way or the other, how much weight do you give Milrow being like the winning pitcher, so to speak, in two SEC games last year at Arkansas? And then in the Texas A&M game, and I know he had three turnovers in the A&M game, but he was also he also had a hand in three touchdown drives. How much weight do the coaches give uh, that key element? I think on the resume. Well, I definitely that's a great point, Jeff. And I think that's definitely something they consider, especially knowing Coach Saban's history of giving the the veteran guys uh, a, a chance. Right? You know, he he likes. Uh, guys that he can trust, and typically you see older veteran players being those guys that he feels that he can rely on. So I think they weigh that, but you also did make a great point. You know, Jalen Milrow did struggle with, you know, uh, ball security and turning the ball over when he did uh, have an opportunity. So that's something they definitely want to see improve because at the end of the day, um, you, you can score all the touchdowns in the world, but if you're handing the ball over, um, you, you're putting the team in a position to lose ball games. That's one thing we emphasized highly uh, was the turnover battle. Um, so I definitely know they're taking that into consideration. But to answer your question, Jeff, I, I do think if it's neck and neck, they might give Milrow, the veteran guy, uh, just a nod, just at least to kind of start it off. But I definitely think both these guys – have an equal and fair chance at winning the job. And ultimately, whoever can win the team over and give the team the best chance to have success, um, he, they're going to be the guy, whether you're a freshman or a senior. They just ultimately want to see the guy um, that gives the team the best chance to succeed um, under center. But I guess it's to be determined. Like you said, everybody's looking for that. And I think A-Day will be our first kind of preview or our first glimpse. I don't think it's going to be a telltale sign of who the guy is. I think that's still going to be ongoing. But... Uh, I agree. I am looking forward to kind of having our first glimpse of uh, how these guys have progressed over the spring. Jeff Spiegel, 3340, is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. Uh, talk, I guess, first popped up. It's not the first time it has, but uh, Hugh Freeze was talking about perhaps making spring a little bit more interesting and playing a team in state. What's Jeff Spiegel's reaction to that? You know, I like the idea. I really do. I mean, I think it's very intriguing. But I also think some comments that JSU coach Rich Rodriguez made last week gave me an idea that maybe it's not going to happen. And um, and here's the thing. Uh, I think all of these group of five coaches, you know, are totally cool with playing a game, you know, like that for charity. But they're also going to want to check for their favorite charity, which is their football program. So, you know, they're going to want, you know, now Rich said a million dollars. 
Rich said, I'd take a million dollars to play Alabama or Auburn in a spring game. And then he backed off and he said, well, we, we may go down there for $500,000, but they're <laughs> going to want something deposited in their bank account to make this fly. So I, it, it may come down to, like, money, uh, you know, is going to get in the way of this idea. But I think it's a really cool idea. I think it would, you know, spice up the spring games. But uh, But at the end of the day, I just don't think um, I don't think Alabama or Auburn are going to be willing to, you know, fork over, you know, money for for guys to come up and play a spring game. I, I just have some doubts that that'll, that's going to happen. Jeff, the big question at Auburn also uh, focuses on the quarterback situation. Uh, it's my belief that the starting quarterback for Auburn in 2023 is not yet on campus. Uh, do, do you do you do you buy that? Do you think they're going to reach into the transfer portal? Yeah, I kind of get that feeling too, Lars. I really do. That uh, that that Hugh is going to you know take a look. He didn't really uh, now, and, and you also Grayson McCall's name just keeps coming up in this in this thing. Uh, the Coastal Carolina quarterback and. Um, and I don't know if, if, if he's going to be the guy, um, but uh, I, I, I do think he hasn't found the answer that he's looking for with the guys that he has. Now, he has mentioned that all of these guys want to get coached up. You know, Ashford and Finley and Gurner have had some really good attitudes, you know, when it comes to, you know, wanting to be coached up and wanting to learn and wanting to get better. But, uh, but Hugh wants to, you know, spice up the competition and, and, and bring in a guy, and and uh, so yeah, I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be a name. I'm not sure what name that's going to be, but I do think the competition will increase by at least one. You know, when fall camp rolls around. Jeff, as always, very much appreciate your time. I'll see you probably at Talladega this week. Uh, look forward to covering that. Look forward to catching up with you and uh, tell the tell the entire newsroom that we all said hey. Hey, man, I really appreciate y'all. Thank you, and have a good day. Thank you, Jeff. Great stuff. As I've said every time we've interviewed him, he's just too nice a guy to be in this business. Uh, He's a great person. You know, he... uh Right when I first got to Alabama, he was one of the first just to kind of come up and, and welcome me. And just if I had any questions about anything, here's my number. Give me a call. And, you know, there's there's so many unwritten rules as to how things operate at Alabama or or Auburn or at Talladega. You, you know that, Matt. And, and, and Jeff was just uh, really one of the first uh to uh, extend uh, an open an arm and just say, hey, whatever I can do to help, let me do that. And I've never forgotten that, never. Good for you. Uh, but that's just kind of guy he is, and, and he means it. <laughs> you know, he is just a genuine person. Uh, when we get back, got to wrap up this show with a couple other things we have not mentioned, including a personal salute to a guy that's retiring. I'll bring that on on the other side of the break. Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation 
of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, Redefined. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against covid Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Taker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA Grant Number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 81, mostly clear tonight below 53. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. The warming trend continues. A high tomorrow, 83. Thursday's high at 86. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars and Christian Joe Gaither. Appreciate you folks dialing us in. Remember that uh, we are now on Twitter at Big Noon Sports and website BigNoonSports.com. I don't know if you guys saw this story because it's really uh, it's indigenous to my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama. But Ronnie Stapler, who is, what's the word of the day? Icon. Uh, iconic High school basketball coach in Huntsville, Alabama, 53 years 
868 wins. That's third all time in the state of Alabama. And he won three state championships. But he has finally decided he wanted to retire. Guess why, grandchildren? And (laughs) that's going to happen. But um, he was at Grissom High School, which is one of the mainstays in Huntsville. Uh, When I was at Huntsville, um, he's now 75. Of course, I'm 10 years younger. But I remember him then. And then I covered him for years and years and years, particularly in the high school playoffs, because his teams were always in from Grissom to Westminster. So anyway, just a tip of the cap to Ronnie Staper, one of my favorite people. And, you know, over 53 years, guys, you think about how many young men's lives he had a hoped on, he had an effect on. Um, just wanted to tip my cap to Ronnie Staper, guys. Uh, it's uh, it's astounding the number of lives that uh, long-term high school coaches have, especially when they stay at the same school and they get to uh, coach, uh, you know, brothers. They they coach parents, and then they coach their their children. Uh, they're there for multiple generations. They become absolutely uh, etched in the fabric of the entire community, not just the sporting community. And those are the good ones, Matt. And in it's not as common as it used to be. Right. And uh, and what a what a what a wonderful career and uh, a testament just to hard work, staying after it and being a good guy. Right. I mean, absolutely. If, if you're going to make it a long time in, in any particular business, how you treat others may be the absolute number one important rule to always keep in mind. In my Chris, in my humble opinion. Kristen, did you have a high school coach or a youth coach that uh, really stepped up to what we're talking about? Apparently Maybe not. not. <laughs> uh, well, I, um, did you? Yeah. No, I, I had a, um, a soccer coach when I was younger um, who really uh, remained close with me and uh, sort of helped guide my decision of where to uh, attend college and and whether or not it would be a good idea for me to, to stay in Nebraska, the pros and cons of leaving, right? Because it, it's like as a kid, as an 18-year-old, it's hard to fathom Okay, I'm leaving the state, therefore I'm never coming home, right? And that didn't really register to me, but that absolutely turned out to be the case with both my brother and myself. And, um, you know, that that was the reason why my, my father didn't want me to go to Columbia because he knew, like, once I was in New York, I was never coming back to the Midwest, and uh, that is that is true. Still, still haven't really been back to the Midwest, uh, but uh, but yeah. Did, did did you have a coach that really impacted your life? Uh, I'm gonna give a very uh, lame answer. I had a lot of them, and I don't know if I'm yeah. gonna just name one uh, because I don't want to slight any of the others, but. I remember that uh, I was very, very fortunate to be in an incredible little league 
And I had little league baseball coaches that were teaching me values when I was eight years old. And, you know, you can't get through eight-year-old kids. <laughs> uh, you can't get through their head. But they, they had an impact. And uh, sports had a great impact uh, on on my life, period. Um, and, <laughs> and guess what? It still does. Fifty-something years later, I'm still doing it. Christian, you had a coach in your past? Yeah, guys. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, going back to Park Ball, I had a coach. His name was Coach Scooby. Real big guy, but he was a gentle giant. Um, he basically was my coach uh, in Pop Warner, but he also helped run the whole league. And, uh, man, when I tell you, he had an impact on all of us. Um, you know, he taught us the game, but he also just taught us a lot about life. And, and, uh, and unfortunately, he passed away several years ago. But, I, you know, I'll never uh, forget everything that he taught me uh, in terms of playing the game, but also just being a being the, and I was a young guy, but just how to be, you know, a good person, and and he helped raise us, and uh, he was a father figure to a lot of people. So I'm um, forever indebted to him. But um, yeah, Coach Scooby, man, you know, he, he touched a lot of lives growing up. But um, I will say, I want to also give big thanks to Good Feet. If anybody out there is living in pain, foot pain, knee pain, back pain, any, any of that pain is bothering you, I urge you guys to go over to Good Feet. That's in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. Their premium arch support, arch supports are precision fits, your personal needs, lifestyle, profession. I use them for any and all situations. It's remarkable the difference that they make in such a short period of time. It's try before you buy it. You've got nothing to lose. So head on over there and let them get you situated. Again, that's Good Feet. It's in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. Or you can go online to make an appointment at goodfeet.com. That's good feet, improving the quality of lives, two feet at a time. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. Uh, John Brady, we appreciate his help, and Jess Spiegel, as always. Tomorrow on the show, we all know him. Uh, West Neighbors, um, Huntsville Eye Center, University of Alabama, and quite a successful business entrepreneur. Um, and owns a radio station up there in Huntsville. Done, done quite well, has his own radio show. But anyway, he'll join us tomorrow, and I hope you will too. This has been Big Noon Sports. You've probably seen